0: Welcome back into the show. We are here on Radio Row on, uh, what is it, a Tuesday? Wednesday, I I think. Uh, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? (laughs) God, I am so lost in the days, Time flies when you're having a good time, brother. I I think I I said Tuesday last segment. But I think I got the date right. I said January 30th. So uh, happy to have you guys here with us and happy to have this guy with us. Uh, As soon as I saw your name popped up, I was like, Josh Booty's going to be available for interviews. Oh, I was like, my goodness. i got to get Josh on. Now, I DM'd <laughs> you during football season. We were going to try to get you on, yeah. but it didn't really work out or whatever. So I remember that. Happy to finally get you on, man. Thank
1: you, brother. I'm glad to be here. It's so What, what a wonderful event, of course, this, this year with – I'm a Southern California guy now, so having the Rams in the big game, and then, of course, uh, you know, I've I've, I've grown up watching Brady and Gronk and all these big games that they've played. It's so much fun to watch these guys kind of maneuver their way through these playoffs and how hard it is to do it, and they do it year in, year out. It's unbelievable.
0: Dude, my, my, my Saints. Oh so close I mean come
1: well, on poor Sean Payton you know I, I think he should have run the ball there with with less than two <laughs> minutes and his first down and his own you know deep in in, in his you know it's scoring See, territory I get, I
0: get that argument but if the rest just do their job
1: exactly he's here yeah he's so. here and so I, I feel bad for for Drew of course known him for many years but uh you know it is what it is man the Rams deserved it because they they you know they they were down and they came back the Saints really could have could have run out run them out of the gym and the Rams held tight you know the just the things that they tried to do there, second third quarter got them back into the ball game and I uh, just McVay did a wonderful job kind of positioning them to get back in that ball game it was I thought the Saints were going to win that thing 30 to 3 it looked like in the first quarter I thought
0: the dome was going to cave in it was <laughs> so loud
1: <laughs> were you down there I was yep. there yeah. I would have loved to have been there I uh, I couldn't make it but um you know, I, I thought, of course, it's going to be one of the loudest games in the history of the Superdome. And yeah. I was there for for the Favre game, uh, the Vikings-Saints back in the day, and that was the loudest I'd ever heard it. And, of course, been in there for many Sugar Bowls and different things. The LSU-Oklahoma National Championship yep. in a good one. 2004, right? Um, so, I mean, I've heard some, some loud domes, but... Uh, I heard that uh, I had a lot of friends at the game. They said it it'd make your hair stand on the back of your head. So it was. I know it was an awesome electric atmosphere, yeah, yeah. as always in New Orleans. It was
0: again. It was just one of those uh, <laughs> electric atmospheres, the loudest I've ever heard. In I've been in, <laughs> I've been in Death Valley in some loud, you, yeah. some loud. You've games. been to a lot
1: of ball games. Yeah. There.
0: Um. Let's rewind. Let's talk about your playing days. Uh, what do you What do you remember more? when you think back to your days yeah. at LSU? What do you think? What do you remember most?
1: Transition really from the Donardo era, which was a. Uh, a very tough error for for LSU. And it was really – LSU had kind of done the things the same, uh, you know, as as Hallman. The, the Hallman years before with DiNardo. I mean, they never really made major moves and major waves on the national scene. And uh, I remember when Chancellor Emmert was there at the time, who's now the president of the NCAA, and uh, Mark Emmert. And Emmert came into the team room and he said, I've, I am bringing in a coach that you guys – don't know about really because he wasn't an sec guy he came from michigan state lsu had played him in the independence bowl a year or so before mm-hmm. and so i had known he had coached uh, banks and barrett uh, plaxico and those guys up in in at michigan state uh, because i'd seen him play in that independence bowl in my hometown but i didn't know anything about nick saban and uh, Emert said we're bringing in a, a guy that's ha- you know has some nfl experience He's got a real chip on his shoulder and wants to win national championships and, and, and believes he can do it. He said he's going to put an unbelievable staff together. He announced Saban would be the next head football coach at LSU. Saban came in and brought uh, a different attitude and mentality to the entire team room and the focus. We had a lot of problems down there at the time, and this was in ninety nine, two thousand. A lot of racial issues as well, and I think Saban had to get down and dirty and mm-hmm. um, really, you know, plug all that he wanted to plug in in a real quick amount of time, short amount of time. And he told us the first day, and you hear him, you know, saying stuff like this all the time. I think when he took the Alabama job as well, there's a lot of stories about about this. But, you know, he said, we're going to win championships here. It might not be with your butts in the seats, or it might be the next <laughs> recruiting class or the next or the next, but we're going to win a championship. And that's what – uh, And he
0: followed it with an right,
1: yeah, right, I. Yeah. The <laughs> I was always in there. Yeah. I. Right. I. Right. And so, you know, we believed it because – you know, we had never talked championship, national championship, at you know, in that room. And I think he just delivered a message like, guys, we're going to do this a whole lot different than what you're doing. You better get used to it or you're not going to be here. And some sooner or later we're going to win a championship. And he built that relatively quick. But it all was based on the coaches, the staff that he put together, which was unbelievable. We had so many big-name guys now that have gone on to be head coaches, Jimbo Fisher, must Champ, Pellini, Dooley, all these names that were on the staff um, that he put together. And then he coached them as hard as he coached us, and it was a trickle-down effect. I mean, how do you – you can't lose ball games if you recruit well, have a great staff and work your tail off and are detailed, and that's what he did.
0: Yeah, uh, talking with uh, Josh Booty here uh, on the show. And, um, you know, it's crazy. I mean, because those years did lay the, the foundation and the groundwork for what came in 2004. Um, looking back on it, though, I mean, what – talented quarterback room from Craig Nall to <laughs> Rohan David to you I mean and there were some battles there
1: right yeah there was I mean you know I came in I came in in 99 as kind of I went and played pro baseball so I was the Kyler Murray of that era I guess I were yeah. the Tim Tebow whatever you want to call it but um you know I was playing baseball and and my brother Abram was a wide receiver at LSU at the time it was all SEC freshman and I wanted to go back and play baseball with him so I got out of my contract and and the fans had—I felt like it always wanted me there because I was a big recruit a few years earlier in high school, and and so I I was like I got to go back and play with my brother, try to help, try to help the football team. Herb Tyler was the start of the year before they had no experience at really at quarterback. They had we had some talent in the room with Nall and, and Davy, but none of them had played. Um, so it was uh, it was. You know, I had to go win the job, and I had been out for four years, and it was very difficult. But the fans wanted me to play, so I got pushed into that starting role pretty early. I think game two or three, and uh, that first year I was there. But I, I remember coming back from baseball and putting on the pads and the helmet and being in the huddle, and it was so different because I had grown up in the shotgun, no huddle, nine yards deep in a shotgun. We did it a little different than everybody else, and that's why we. It were so successful, but we, we were empty, you know, five wides and went no huddle, and then I went to LSU, it was like going back in time, it was, you know, a double eye, you know, double tight, you know, two minute offense, we'd have one or two wide outs on the field, it was just going back in time for me, so it wasn't exactly probably the situation that I would have liked to have been in once I got back to LSU, I right. just stubborn and wanted to go play with my brother in Tiger Stadium in the state that I grew up in, but um, now, now that I look back at it, I wish it would have been like it is now at least because, you know, they still don't throw the ball super effectively like some teams, but it's it's in the repertoire a little bit. And they've yeah. got great wide outs, and they've got studs at every position. Back in 99, LSU wasn't like that. Saban had to go out and get those guys. Jimbo changed the culture a little bit with the quarterback. And we we had a good year the second year, but Donardo in that first year was a very very difficult year for for LSU fans and for myself because we had to we tried to make chicken salad out of you know what <laughs> chicken. It
0: sets up well for them this year, and you mentioned you know Joe Burrow I think has really been a plus yeah. for them. But this year, uh, Josh, you get Auburn at home, Florida at home, A and M at home. You know your, your toughest road trips are week two. You go to Texas to play the Longhorns. Yep. You win that one. In my mind, the trip to Tuscaloosa. They can lose that one and run the table and probably get in as as the four seed in the playoffs. They
1: could, you know that, that you're right. The Texas game is going to be huge because it's a road game and and Texas is going to be in the top ten, yeah, maybe the top good. seven, the <laughs> top six. So they're going to be darn good. So if they could, you know, if if they can win that game on the road, that's going to be one heck of a ball game in Austin. And I know Ellinger and Company's back in you know at the helm there in, in Austin. So. Uh, you know, I, I have spent a lot of time in Austin and San Antonio, and those the fans are so jacked about having LSU at home next year, it's unbelievable. And we're already starting to plan stuff around that ball game. but, uh, you know, I think you're right. If, if they could get past Texas, they've got a favorable schedule. Florida's going to be tough, A&M's going to be tough, but uh that Alabama game could be of course it will be the toughest game on their schedule no one wants to have to go to Tuscaloosa and that's that's always kind of a black mark on the schedule you, you don't want to have to go do that but you know if they can win the rest of them they could get in I, I, I suppose they could get in if Texas continues to win after they lose that ball game and yeah. that, that'd make LSU look real good in the end.
0: Josh Booty uh, wrapping up here you um you 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 guys are uh doing something with a school right you yeah
1: cornerstone Christian school in north san antonio uh my dad's the a d my brother's the head coach abram who played at lSU with me his son is the quarterback general booty who's got the best name in in all of sports <laughs> or in all the in all the world almost and, yep. and then uh, I have my youngest brother's offensive coordinator so we we started a, a private school down there a sports program and we went independent, so we play in a national schedule and having a lot of fun doing it brother
0: best player to come out of evangel who would you say <laughs>
1: you Oh man no John David my brother John he David? was most polished I mean we had we had a kid named Brock Berlin who yep. was a was a player of the year too uh, I think we we're the only high school to have two USA today offensive players of the year and and it was me and Brock but JD would have been a third he he left a year early and went to USC to play under Norm Chow and Pete Carroll but yeah. He was he was preseason player of the year, number one on the ESPN you know recruit list. So we could have had potentially three quarterbacks in that run of about ten years, but yeah. JD was the most polished. He he was ready to go. You know, probably as a junior, uh, you know, he was ready to go. He didn't, didn't even play a senior year of high school and went straight to SC. So, he was wow. a pretty awesome quarterback. Jacob Hester,
0: not a bad Hester
1: one was either. awesome, and We <laughs> love him. I mean, he was probably the big biggest gamer we ever had. I mean, yeah. he could have played nose tackle, fullback, safety, <laughs> linebacker. He could do anything, running back, tailback at LSU. I mean, he's a
0: he's a what-do-you-need coach guy. Yeah, what yeah. What do you need coach? We were
1: just a passing school. So, you know, it was all about, you know, the shotgun and the four wides. But um, Hester was probably the, the – the best all-around player that we ever had because you could have put him anywhere and he'd dominate.
0: He's the one and only Josh Moody. Josh, <laughs> we're going to have to do this again, man. We'll oh, I'd love on. to,
1: especially during the LSU season. Let's yeah, do it for sure. Absolutely. Good to see you, brother. Thank you so much for having me, my man. All right. It was
0: Chris <laughs> Show we'll wrap up here. We'll come back. Uh, hour number two coming your way after this. Stay there. Thank you, brother. With the Lucky
1: Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.